0: Smith in a gun with four in his left hip. Third down, Alex takes the snap. Alex looking got, got it opposed, but it's got it. Got it. Come on, Touchdown! Touchdown for him! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Backyard Blitz. I'm CJ Peterson and I'm here with my co-host Brandon Tumlin in the inaugural edition of the Backyard Blitz. As I'm sure none of you know who we are, we're going to start with a little bit of introduction. So, as I said, I'm CJ Peterson. I'm a current staff writer at SF Bay covering the 49ers and the Golden State Warriors.
1: My name is Brandon Tumlin. I've been in the sports nutrition industry for the last two and a half years and also been a 49er fan uh, since I was five years old, which is about 20 years. So I've been watching them for a while. Love what they're doing recently.
0: So as I mentioned, this is our first podcast. So in fitting fashion, we are going to be talking about the 49ers inaugural draft of the uh, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan regime. So I gotta say, man, I I really think they won this draft out of any team out there. I think they did some great stuff. They weren't a they weren't afraid to you know play at the poker table this year, and I'm really impressed with this uh, this new front office. Personally, I was impressed with Lynch's ability and um, his poise, as far as being able to trade out of the first pick, which we'll dive into in a few minutes. Um, but it didn't stop there. It was his activity throughout the three days of the draft. I. very impressed with like i said his poise gotta say he came in
1: like a veteran uh moving down the first pick wheeling and dealing the whole draft it was a pretty good pretty good thing to see man um pretty fired up about the draft but i gotta say i think the browns it's pretty tough man i think the browns might have won the draft um the people they got in the first round with miles garrett He's going to be a franchise pass rusher for them um, unless injuries happen. Um, and then David Najuku, the tight end from Miami, who's a, who's a real big playmaker and could help that offense a lot. Um, and then also getting the quarterback late, Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, they might have their quarterback if uh, Hugh Jackson can groom them well.
0: So let, let's dive right into it, man. Let's start with uh, probably the biggest surprise of the draft. Not a lot of people saw the movement moving back from the second overall pick down to three. What do you think happened there?
1: Well, I think it's been mocked for a little while, for about two or three weeks, that the, the Niners might trade out of the pick, but down into the teens, but not not falling back until the third pick and getting a third, fourth, and a third for next year just for moving down one spot. While the Bears take their hopeful uh, quarterback of the future, Mitch Trubisky, which is pretty questionable to say that, right?
0: Well, I mean, people have been talking about it all all season that this is this was a down year for the quarterback position in this draft. I I gotta admit, man, I was really surprised to see them move up, and by them I mean the Chicago Bears. Um, you, you mentioned before when we were talking that you, you think the Niners kind of sent a smoke screen.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the Niners definitely baited people into uh into wanting to trade up, right? They the teams thought the Niners were gonna take to basically, so if you're gonna if you're gonna trade up, you gotta trade with the Niners. And obviously two three to four weeks beforehand, everyone was tweeting out that the Niners were really interested in uh picking up a
0: quarterback, but they traded back. So Let's talk about what the Niners got in return um, for that pick. Uh, initially, when that pick came out, the NFL Network reported that they got an additional third round pick this year, uh, which was the number 6 7 overall pick, as well as a fourth rounder, the number 111 selection. And on top of that, they got uh, Chicago's third rounder for next season. I think for one spot, who would have thought that that much baggage would have been added to that? I mean, Chicago kind of mortgaged their future in getting Trubisky.
1: I think that's what Lynch did. Uh, he was basically hyping up the pick, saying other teams are going to trade up, um, so you know the Bears had to had to pony up some third round picks and a fourth round pick. They had to they have to give up, give up some just to get Trubisky. So
0: they paid the price. Hopefully Trubisky's their man. Yeah, Chicago fans were not happy. Uh, I remember seeing the NFL Network flash to Chicago. Man, it it was a look of disgust. I I can only imagine how those fans must have felt. Weren't they booing, too? Like, that's just a terrible start.
1: If you're Mitch Trubisky, you got fans booing you already. That's a terrible start to, uh, to your career with the Bears.
0: And not to mention, John Fox didn't even know about this pick. He came out saying that he was uninformed about this until minutes before they took him.
1: How does that happen? How does your head coach not know who you're going to trade up and get? That's unbelievable to me. The head coach should be the one that signs off on draft of your franchise quarterback, yet knew nothing of it.
0: Well, I mean, there's the argument that John Fox is more of a defensive-minded coach, so I can understand that maybe he wouldn't have the most involvement in selecting, like you said, the franchise quarterback. But at the end of the day, he's still the head coach. He's running the team. So you would think he'd have you know, some kind of say over who they pick, who stands at the helm.
1: Looks like some dysfunction going on in Chicago. Doesn't seem like the head coach and GM are on the same page, but we'll see how that plays out.
0: Let's get into what the 49ers actually end up selecting in place of that number two overall pick, and they, like I said, they traded down to three. Got Solomon Thomas. From what, what's been reported, that was the guy they wanted all along. And um, it, it, it kind of reminds me, I know this is a long shot right now, but this kind of reminds me, of the Raiders two seasons ago, selecting Khalil Mack. He was a safe pick. He was the guy that really no, had no question marks around him, no off-the-field issues. Um, his motor was there. He was the safe pick, I should say. Um, and I think he fits perfectly into what the 49ers want to do right now.
1: Right. You throw Solomon Thomas in there with the two 6-7 slash defensive tackles Eric Armstead and DeForest Bunkner. Um uh, it's looking like a pretty solid defensive line going on. I mean, Solomon Thomas was a pretty productive player last year. 62 tackles, 15 tackles for loss, well getting the quarterback eight times. Also balled out against North Carolina in the bowl game. Um, seven tackles, two for a loss, and a sack. That's, that's big-time numbers in a big game. So I think they're going to get a playmaker, a pretty smart man. He'll probably be able to pick up the system pretty quickly. Um, the only question mark I would have about him is something that played Joshua Garnett last year. He's still going to be in school while uh, mini camps are going on, so he might take a little longer to learn the playbook, which Joshua Garnett was saying kind of hurt
0: him going into last year. Yeah, but you got to consider too, he is a Stanford guy. The requirements to get into Stanford to begin with are much higher than I mean, most SEC schools, most Pac-12 schools, Big Ten schools. So he's a pretty intelligent guy. I don't see that being a big problem. But I got to say, Robert Saleh might have something to work with this year. I know the Niners were the 31st team in the league as far as yardage given up per game. So I'm thinking that Saleh might have a formidable front seven this year. And that is going to stop the run, which wasn't the Niners' biggest issue. But it's going to help getting pressure on the quarterback, which is going to not allow them to have as much time to throw the ball over the top. Niners got burnt last year in pass coverage.
1: Oh, man. Niners got burnt in pass coverage. Couldn't get after the quarterback. Niners also got burnt in the run. Couldn't stop the run. So, I mean, if you're Robert Saleh, you got to be pretty fired up about this D-line going into this year, um, making the transition to the 4-3, kind of like what Seattle runs, um, what Gus Bradley brought to Jacksonville with the, basically you have four down linemen and three linebackers. So you throw in Solomon Thomas with DeForest Bunkner, um, and you got Eric Armstead, and who knows, Aaron Lynch, uh, Tank Carradine. Uh, you could cycle through a couple other players at the other position, but, man, that's a pretty good defensive line uh, going into this year. So it's going to be an exciting time for 49er fans going into this year.
0: Well, slow down a little bit. Obviously, this team is still in the midst of a rebuild. I give them at least another two seasons before they're competing for a division title, but it's going to be an improvement from a 2-14 and 14 season, which, let's be honest here, the only way to go from there is up. Yeah. <laughs> Quick little tidbit, too. I'm not sure if most fans know this, but Solomon Thomas and John Lynch were actually classmates at one point. Really? Yeah, they were. They actually took management, science, and engineering class together at Stanford. Um, I'm sure you know Lynch uh, was a former stanford student he returned there a few years ago to complete his degree and they actually worked on a few class projects together so ah this that could have played into the pick. he got to know
1: the man saw his tape balled out when it counted balled out
0: all year makes sense at the end of the day well it just goes to show that personal relationships and connections mean a little bit more than just how you look on film i will
1: say though 49er fans have reason to be excited, man. I know you said, no, we got to pump the brakes. Uh, 49er fans went through a 2-14 season last year. The 49ers came out of the draft with potential two defensive stars at the end of the first round. So if they live up to uh, the hype, this defense could be good. Um, we got Reuben Foster and Navarro Bowman next to each other, so sky's the limit for them.
0: So it's funny that you bring up Reuben Foster because – He was their second first round selection this year. He went at the number 31 overall pick. Uh, The Niners once again traded up to go get him. In the conference call that was held after he was selected, he compared himself a lot to Patrick Willis. I'm sure 49er fans out there are watering at the mouth to hear that he's even anywhere close to to Patrick Willis. P. Willie, what a linebacker.
1: it's sad that his career got cut short because of that toe injury, but man, what what a great player. If Ruben Foster comes anywhere close to that, 49er fans and 49ers in general are um, are going to be extremely excited about this guy.
0: Let's compare the numbers, actually, because I I was looking at this before before we sat down to do this, and uh, these numbers are eerily similar, I'm not going to lie. So let's start with Ruben Foster. Uh, in his time at Alabama, he recorded 222 tackles, uh, 24 of them for loss. He also had 12 pass deflections and 8 sacks. Compared to Mr. Willis, who recorded 265 total tackles, 21 of them being for losses and 6 total sacks. These numbers are obviously not identical, but they're, they're pretty similar. And their playing style, as far as being sideline-to-sideline side type of players, that could really do just about anything. They can cover the run. They can uh, play in pass coverage, and they can get after the quarterback. I I am excited to see just how similar they are when they suit up, or when Ruben Foster suits up in that red and gold. Oh man! Yeah. Those
1: stats are kind of eerie. Uh, really similar. Just listen to this. This quote by Mike Mayock, uh, who works for NFL Network. He reminds me of Luke Keekley when I watch tape. He's an immediate impact player. Sideline to sideline, he will light you up. I'm amazed that he's fallen to this point. San Francisco better be right on him with that shoulder. So I mean, right? He's got the he's got the big upside, but. He might not be able to play this year. It's coming out. It was late because of that shoulder.
0: Well, I will say Foster kind of put that facade over himself in that first uh, interview with uh, the media for San Francisco. He mentioned that his shoulders are fine and that he will not be requiring surgery. But news did come out today that it could be worst-case scenario he misses his entire rookie season.
1: And if you're the Niners... If he misses uh, the whole rookie season, you can't be terribly mad at that. Uh, this, the Niners aren't going to p- complete in the playoffs with Brian Horner as their quarterback this year. So, I mean, if he has to take a year off, get his body right, and come back next year, um, when the Niners pick up more players, it it's going to it's gonna be great. And it's worth, if he's the caliber like Patrick Willis, it's going to be worth it in the end.
0: How do you think the linebacking core looks now, um, now that the Niners have brought in Foster, They've also added Malcolm Smith to this linebacking unit, and Navarro Bowman is coming off of this Achilles injury, this second season-ending injury in a row. Well, if you're a
1: Raider fan and you're listening to our podcast, you're probably saying Malcolm Smith, he was garbage for the for us. If you're a Raiders fan, and he he was, but if you go back to when he was with Seattle. He had Bruce Irvin next to him. He had Bobby Wagner. He had solid players. And if Ruben Foster isn't hurt and he comes in this year with Bowman next to him and Malcolm Smith, them three, as a linebacker core, you got to be pretty excited about that. Um, It will be able to mask some of Malcolm Smith's deficiencies, which is in coverage. He got burnt a lot last year, um, which is okay. Um, In in this scheme, I think they're going to have Ruben Foster as a linebacker covering the tight ends. Um, I think Malcolm Smith's job will be more to uh, stop the stop the running back when they run.
0: Yeah, Lynch said he uh, that Foster looks more and more like the will linebacker, the weak side linebacker. So I I could see him dropping back a little more, but also I, w- I would love to see him get after that quarterback. He can hit, and that's that's what he predicates his game upon is speed and physicality. So I'm, like I said, I'm excited to see how that goes. Um, what happens if Foster doesn't play this year? Who who steps in at that at that will?
1: Well, if Foster doesn't, it doesn't uh, play due to injury. I think you're gonna have to think Ray Ray Armstrong starts. Um, he had a pretty solid year to begin last year. Um, he only did play two games, which is very sad for the Niners because in those two games, he had two interceptions. That's an extremely good start to the season. Um, once he got hurt and Navarro Bowman got hurt, it was uh, all downhill for that defense, uh, having everybody run all over him, uh, throw all over him. It was just over. Their season was uh, done midway. So um, I think Ray-Ray Armstrong will step in, um, and he'll do the things that he's good in. He'll he'll cover the tight ends. He'll cover the running backs. He'll be in coverage um, with Navarro Bowman. Leading the defense, he'll make sure everyone's uh, in their right spots. I think, uh, I think that would be a good good situation, uh, for the 49ers. I'd feel pretty comfortable with uh, Ray Ray Armstrong
0: being a starter if uh Ruben Foster's out. So, these two first round selections for the 49ers and Thomas and Foster they impact this front seven a lot compared to a front seven that was uh, how do I put this, very porous last season. I think this once again is going to be a very formidable group, and it's and it's gonna it's gonna help out a lot, especially for a depleted secondary.
1: Yeah, um, the D line has some depth to it. I mean, you look at Eric Armstead, pretty solid player when he could stay healthy. Um, I think Pro Football Focus had him number one in interior pass rushing. Um, so I mean, that's that's pretty good given his. Uh, little uh, sample size and then you go to Solomon Thomas number one draft pick um, solid there DeForest Buckner and I think this guy's gonna mature and really uh, grow into into a star um, he, he played pretty good his rookie year probably the only good one on the defensive line so uh, that's that's a pretty solid person to have there and then you know you rotate on the other side um, you're gonna have Tank Carradine you're gonna have Aaron Lynch now just uh, putting his hand in the ground and getting after the pass rusher, the thing he does well. And I would say an unsung hero who played pretty well when he got some minutes last year was uh, Ronald Blair. I was pretty impressed with him when I was watching him. Um, so I think he's going to be a person to watch going into mini camps and training camps, see how he uh, plays in this uh, scheme.
0: Now I agree. The defensive line, I think, may have just turned into a strength for the Niners at this point. Uh, you mentioned DeForest Buckner. He was arguably the most productive defensive lineman on that roster last season. So I think it's going to be an interesting thing to to keep an eye on as far as how he develops in his sophomore season. Hopefully there's no sophomore slump. Oh, hope not. Hope yeah. Uh, and also Aaron Lynch. Uh, Robert Saleh mentioned that he's going to be the Leo or the premier pass rusher in this defensive front. So I'm excited to see just how he adjusts to only having to rush the quarterback.
1: I mean, it, you go back two years, right? Aaron Lynch was coming. If I'm not mistaken, it was a six-sack season. So uh, coming off of that, you were pretty excited going into last year about him, that he would grow into an eight-to-ten-sack kind of guy. But then, you know, get popped. Uh, I think it was for PEDs. Yeah, four games. Four games. You lose him to start the year. Four games, done. And then he also came in in training camp overweight. Um that's kinda of questionable, right? If you're trying to grow into a star, why would you show up to training camp overweight? Uh it just I don't know. That's a question mark there. If I was a 49, I would not be banking on this guy to be my uh premier pass rusher. He's gotta he's definitely gotta prove himself and I think he feels that a little bit.
0: Well, just like any player would, he's come out and he says all he's said all the right things. He's uh he's owned up to his mistakes in that sense. But I agree with you. If you're if you're looking at being the main guy on that defensive side of the ball, as far as being you know a guy that gets after the quarterback and ultimately creates pressure, you got to take that role seriously and you got to be prepared and not put your team at risk. And by the way, they haven't disclosed the substance in which he used that did come up on the um, you know performance-enhancing drug policy for the NFL. But yeah, let's let's take a step forward into day two. So obviously, day one was a very uh, interesting day with a lot of storylines behind that. But day two started off with a bang for the Niners. Uh, they picked up a guy who hopefully can uh, solidify that depleted secondary and Akella Witherspoon. This guy is potentially the has the highest value of any third round pick that was selected in that in that round um, last season when he played at Colorado. He had twenty-two pass breakups. He led and wow. the NCAA in that. Um, you gotta be happy to get a guy that knows how to, you know, put his hand on the ball. Granted, you'd wanna see more interceptions out of that, but a pass breakup, you, you can't be upset with that.
1: No, nah, he's getting his hand on the ball, uh basically taking away big plays that another team could have got. So I mean, yeah, you gotta be pretty fired up about him. And look at this guy. Six three, almost two hundred pounds. Um, that's crazy size uh, size for the cornerback position. Almost reminiscent of again the Seattle system where they have big corners. They press you. Um, but the good thing about this guy, he ran a what four four.
0: Yeah, four four one at the combine.
1: He ran yeah four four one with a forty point five inch vertical. So if you get you get past this guy, right? So. He's going he's gonna to press you. Um, he's going to try to be physical with you at the line um, with that 6 3 frame. But I mean, if you get past him, you got the 4 4 speed to kind of catch up to him. So, I mean, you got to be pretty excited about that through your 49ers. And then. Um, Twenty-two pass breakups. I mean, that's an accomplishment. If he could, if the Niners could work with him and turn some of those pass affections into interceptions, if he gets what two or three, uh, to start off as a rookie, I mean, him across from uh, Rashard Robinson, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna pretty be a pretty nice duo for the 49ers.
0: No, I agree. He only had three picks in his entire college career. Ooh. Yeah. So you're concerned about that, but. I think his size speaks to the evolution of the cornerback in the NFL. You're you're picking these guys that are you know six two plus. Going up against you know six four, six three receivers. You know it's, I like where this trend is pointing.
1: I mean, with this guy, I mean he could hit big and be a superstar player, or you know he could, not be so good. I mean. It's kind of a it's kind of a risky pick. I mean, Charles Davis of the NFL Network says his best right here. Uh, he's the best. He's the most intriguing of all of the Colorado defenders. I think Colorado had three or four corners come out of this draft that all got drafted. But he also said that he thinks he's the most inconsistent of all of them. So I mean, see, it's it's the good with the bad, right?
0: Well, the inconsistencies come from his lack of ability to tackle. So he so he can hit. He can get his hand on the ball, but he can't wrap up. That That's the big thing. He missed a lot of tackles playing at Colorado. Uh, the one thing that I did like was his ability to show up in big games. At the beginning of the season, he showed up big against Oregon. And uh, we all know that Oregon seemingly runs that Pac-12 conference. So it's good to see that he can he can show up in big games. And, you know, even, even John Lynch he said himself, you know, he's a player... They studied, and he knows that he can play against, you know, big-time receivers in that Pac-12 conference.
1: I mean, if he's showing up against the big-time uh, wide receivers in college, I mean, you got to be excited about this guy. Hopefully he could translate that in into the NFL and uh, be a constant starter for the 49ers going forward. I I think you like the the speed and the height of the 49ers' corners going forward. Um Rashard Robinson's a big corner himself. Uh, obviously, not as big as Witherspoon is at 6'3". but um, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's six six foot or six one. So I mean, uh, Niners got to be excited. And hey, you know maybe Witherspoon doesn't start, um, and he doesn't have to. he doesn't necessarily have to start uh, rookie rookie year. I don't I don't think you have to put that on him. I think the 49ers have some other capable players uh, to to fill that void.
0: Right now, on the 49ers depth chart, they have Jimmy Ward listed as their starting right corner. There's been, you know, rumors of him being moved um, to the free safety position. How do you think that plays into maybe Akello start, you know, stepping into that starting role once training camp starts?
1: I think the Jimmy Ward thing at free safety is going to happen. I think they have to put him there. They need a more of a ball hawk in this scheme um, at free safety. And when healthy, Jimmy Ward has been pretty good. I think out of all the, the players that got at that position, he has the best instincts. And he's played uh, safety before. So I mean uh I would look out for that. I think Jimmy Ward will end up being the starter. Um and then that leaves what? That leaves a strong safety. And that would be between Eric Reed and uh Jaquaski Joukos- Tart. Yep. Um so I-, I think you pencil in Eric Reed as a starter there. I think it plays to Eric Reed's Strong suit that he's going to be more in the box, um, making the tackles, not having to cover uh, deep in the backfield. I don't think that's
0: his strong suit. He's not too keen on getting to the ball and getting picks. I, I like Reed's ability to hit and be physical at the point of attack. My concern, though, is his issues with concussions. There have been talks into converting him to a box safety, you know, to where he's stopping the run, he's getting after the quarterback, you know, they're mixing it up as far as blitz schemes go. But he's had two concussions in his in his first what four years that he's been playing now, three years?
1: Yeah, it's tough. Um, I think that's why you have Tart as his backup. Uh Tart has shown some good things when he's been on the field. So I think I think that's why he's there. I think Tart, Tart could step in and play pretty good. I think Reed has the most upside out of both of them. Position fit. I would go uh more Reed. Reed in that position. Just hopefully he could uh, stay healthy and not get those concussions because his career could end pretty, pretty shortly if he gets one or two more.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, if he if if this pattern of, you know, getting concussions and not being able to not hit with your head, you know, if that continues, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him out of the league in the next two years.
1: And when you look at this dev chart, right, you have to have Jimmy Ward start at free safety. Uh, there's no one else there besides Eric Reed and Tart. Uh They got some guy named Vinny Sunsery. <laughs> to be honest, I think between us, we don't know who that guy is. I don't think he's done anything in this league. So uh, I think you can look past him. And then they got their seventh-round draft pick, uh, Adrian Colbert, who I think they're going to try out as safety. I think he came from Miami. He's a pretty quick fellow himself. But, I mean, there's nothing there. So... You look at depth chart. Looks like Jimmy Ward's your uh, day one free safety starter.
0: No, I, to be honest, I if, if if I'm running this defense, that would be my first selection too. I, I wouldn't even think about not having him there because after you pick up a Keller Witherspoon, your your cornerback depth is looking a little better. Um, Will Will Redmond still there? Kawan Williams, right? Keith Reeser. Those are all guys that can compete for the nickel position, you know, if you have Richard Robinson and you have Witherspoon, they're going to step in to starting roles, right? You also have Dante Johnson on that roster who's going to be your backup corner. So if 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 I'm Robert soleil and I'm looking at this depth chart, moving ward to safety is a viable option and honestly the best one at this point.
1: Yeah, I think you're totally right on that one. Um and, like I said before, I don't think you have to have Witherspoon step in and be a starter right away. Um, when you got a guy like Dante Johnson, who has started some games in this league for the 49ers before, and he's shown to be a pretty good corner. Granted, last year he didn't get on the field too much. Maybe that was like a coaching staff issue. They didn't. They weren't as high as the previous uh, coaching staff under Jim Tom Sula was. But, I mean, he he could be a uh, pretty good player for 49ers. Uh, they look at a guy, Kawan Williams, who uh, Kyle Shanahan has had in the Browns. I mean, you look at his career stats, nothing really pops off the page. But, I mean, he had his best season under uh, with Kyle Shanahan. Granted, Kyle Shanahan had none to do with that because he's the offensive, uh, he was the offensive coordinator at that time. But, I mean, he, he had a sack. He had eight pass deflections. So, I mean, he could probably come in and compete. I think that's all they're expecting out of him. You look at the other guys they have on the list. Will Redman, I mean, uh, I like Will Redman. I think if he could stay healthy, he's a pretty exciting guy. Um, he came out of MSU, right? So, uh, a zoo guy. Yeah, so he came out of there, and uh, he had an ACL injury, which is one of these uh, picks of Trey bulky.
0: Yeah, the infamous ACL picks like uh, Tank Carradine.
1: By the way, we're really talking about this. When did any of them ever pan out?
0: Yeah, I can't think of a single one.
1: Oh man. And that's why he's not here anymore, you know? <laughs> you're <laughs> drafting guys that are hurt with ACLs. Like like when you're thinking about right, like it sounds cool, like, oh man, if the guy comes back, like this is a steal for us. We got him in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. If he comes back to form, but it's an ACL injury. He's got us a little bit older. But I mean, you come back to Will Redman. Uh, He's a he's a pretty he was a pretty solid player in college. He started as a senior. He had two interceptions, 25 tackles, a pass breakup. So he's got his hand on some balls. Um, He's 5'11", pretty good size, 185 pounds. So he's got some size to him. I think he would be a press corner in the nickel. Um, That's probably gonna be between him and Kwon Williams. Uh, And then you got Keith Reeser who has played too in this league. So, I mean, you got some, you don't got bonafide all-stars at corner, but I mean, you got some players who started some games and uh, played in some meaningful games.
0: I think that's going to be an interesting position group to keep an eye on during mini camps and uh, regular training camps. So, like I said, keep an eye on that. So, let's move on to probably the most head-scratching pick the Niners made uh, on day two. And that was of CJ Bathard. You mean Kirk Cousins? Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll hmm. we'll see how that one goes. <laughs> uh quick quick story about how this one went. Um I, I spent the the entire weekend in Santa Clara covering the draft for S F Bay. And um, how how it works is after each round, after the day's over, um, you know, Lynch and Shanahan are present in the auditorium and they hold they hold a press conference, right, and they address how the day went and the picks that they made. Uh, kind of a interesting decision they made was to hold the uh, ending press conference, maybe about four or five picks before the draft or day two of the draft ended. Um, and Lynch jokingly made a comment saying, you know, hopefully they didn't trade up while I was gone. And, you know, that was supposed to be uh, with Keller Witherspoon. That was supposed to be the only pick they made that day. And then when the, when the media went back to the media room, mm-hmm. we find out that the Niners trade up to pick C.J. Bathard. Willing
1: which, and Dillon 49ers.
0: Oh, yeah. That, 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 that's the story of the draft, honestly. But, you know, a lot of the media members were not um, the biggest fans of that move. Yeah. You know, hoping we were going to gather a little early. And uh, little do we know we have to uh, hold another press conference. For a guy named, what was his name again? C.J. Bathard.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. Honestly, I I don't get it. Uh I mean, I understand, you know, you don't have a franchise quarterback, but most people had this guy mocked in the 5th and 6th round. Yeah. A, a late third rounder of that is as a reach if you ask me. Right. Um I mean, what can you say? I think
1: uh I think Kyle Shanahan is really scarred by Robert Griffin, right? Uh, I don't I think he doesn't want to draft any quarterbacks coming out of the spread system, uh which led him to the pick of uh CJ Bathard because he came out of a pro-style offense. He's a pocket passer. Um and we we know that Kyle Shanahan likes pure passers. Um after the whole Robert Griffin thing, I don't think uh I don't think he wants to go back to these uh Scrambling quarterbacks, aka Colin Kaepernick. Why? Which is
0: why he's probably not on the roster this year. <laughs> Among other reasons. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. I think he's he's gonna be Shanahan's first project, in my opinion. And even though I I asked him that, I asked Shanahan if he's gonna if he would categorize Bethard as as, as his first project, and his response was, no, but they were gonna develop him over the next few seasons, which is exactly what a project is. That sounds exactly like a project to me. No, I yeah, I couldn't agree more, but you know, tomatoes tomatoes. Um I kind of like this pick in in the sense that, you know, it is going to give him some room to to kind of groom a quarterback in his own system. But like I said, it's it's a reach. Why why would you pick someone in the 3rd round that nobody had going anywhere before the 5th?
1: I think you gotta say that he fell in love with the guy. Um, whatever it was on the tape that made him fall in love, the Niners really wanted to get this guy enough where they traded back into the third round to get him. Maybe Shanahan sees that Kirk Cousins aspect to him, that fearless mentality where he'll just sit in the pocket and sling the thing. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, if he ends up being a career backup, <laughs> they they missed on it, right? But it's a third round draft pick. I don't think. Anyone will kill the 49ers, especially if they go on to win a lot of games uh, next year with a
0: guy named Kirk Cousins as their actual quarterback. In my opinion, I think that's what's in the future for the 49ers organization. I think they're going to sit on Brian Hoyer for a season. He's going to be essentially a placeholder right. until they can pick up Cousins in free agency. It's been made, made clear that the owner of the Redskins does not want to help the Shanahan family at all. He's, he's publicly voiced that opinion. And I... I think that it's it's doing a disservice to the Redskins organization for, to begin with. Why wouldn't you get rid of a guy? Because you're, you're, you're going to lose him anyway next offseason, right? right? So why don't you get the most out of him as you can, whether it be, you know, even if it's, if it's a late third round or a fourth round pick, something, instead of losing him to free agency where you get literally nothing in return besides a dent in your pocketbook.
1: I mean, it was reported all offseason that, you know, the 49ers were interested in Cousins. Cousins was going to the owner asking him if he was going to be traded. So, I mean, at that point, Kirk Cousins knows he's gone. I mean, maybe something could change They get deep in the playoffs this year. He decides he wants to stay, which I think uh, we could all agree is a pretty big long shot. I don't think they're going deep in the playoffs. They they might go to the playoffs first round. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I think Kirk Cousins knows that Kyle Shanahan wants him. will pay him back. Pretty big money. And, hey, if you're the 49ers and you don't get Kirk Cousins, you still got Jimmy Garoppolo becoming a free agent next year, and you got a strong quarterback class coming out. Uh, So, I mean, you got a lot to look forward to. So having Brian Hoyer as a placeholder, I mean, he, he's fairly productive.
0: Well, it's it's funny that you bring up Jimmy Garoppolo because everything that I've read and everything that I've heard is that the Patriots are holding on to Garoppolo. Because we, we know Brady, I mean – He's coming up on forty pretty soon. Yeah, he's not going to be in the league, or he's not going to have that many more productive seasons in the league. I mean, who knows? We could all be wrong, and he could be drinking from the fountain of youth. We never, we don't know. Man,
1: this guy looks like he could be playing until he's forty-five, strong.
0: I, it. I. I'll tell you what. The AFC East is not looking forward to that. No, no, definitely not. But if history is any type of a teller, they're holding on to Garoppolo as Brady's replacement. So if I'm if I'm New England, and also we got to remember this too, Brady's suspension last year kind of sped up that process of replacing Brady. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, Garoppolo got on the field. Right. He was very productive. He got hurt.
0: Yeah. In the second game, I think but he played what like two two games. He, pl- he played two games, got hurt in the second one. Right. But in those two games, he was very productive. I mean, he led them to two wins. But I
1: mean, he's an undrafted free agent, or I mean, he's going into free agency, not non restricted. You know who else
0: was an undrafted free agent? Who Tony Romo? Oh man, not in the league anymore. Not in the league, but that's for injury reasons. But let's be honest, behind a uh, let's be a subpar Dallas team, yeah, he got him to the playoffs. Granted, his his winning percentage wasn't that great, but he was a playoff quarterback for the majority of his career. So I'm just saying, undrafted free agent quarterbacks are not necessarily taboo.
1: Well, I think they got Garoppolo in like the fourth third fourth round um but he's he's gonna be a, he's gonna be a free agent next year uh he's not restricted he's he's gonna hit the market so if you're the Patriots do you pay him
0: you're gonna get him for pennies on the dollars I'll tell you that much
1: so you thinking the Patriots pay him
0: oh not not a max deal like he like other right. teams might consider but consider it like this if you're Garoppolo right do you do you really want to go to a Cleveland Brown team? Right, hmm. or or a Jacksonville team that is no chance of even being competitive, or do you stay with the proven winner, and arguably the greatest head coach to ever, to ever stand on the sidelines in the NFL, and Bill Belichick.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking, I mean, given that scenario, you stay with the Patriots, right? But how long does he bite his tongue and not play? Because Brady said he's gonna play until he's 45, and. He's one big injury away from retiring right but when is that big injury gonna happen?
0: I mean obviously we're not we don't wish any injury upon any player right they they're still people and you know they may represent the things that we don't like in life, but they're still people and um you never wish injury upon anybody oh, of
1: course not yeah yeah but
0: but no I agree Peyton Manning was the same scenario before he hurt his neck. He could have played till he was in his forties or in it like late in his forties too.
1: Yeah, the thing that stopped Peyton Manning was uh, his arm strength. His arm just got weak. Well, that
0: had a lot to do with his neck, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Pinched nerves. That that has a lot to do with your range of motion in your upper body. Which brings me back to my point. Uh, minus injury,
1: we could be seeing Tom Brady be playing into his forty-five. Uh, totally off subject. Going back to Tony Romo, what's your like? Biggest memory
0: of Tony Romo. Fumbling a a PAT and trying to or no, excuse me, it wasn't a PAT, it was a field goal to attempt in the playoffs and he fumbled it away and tried to run it in and flick it in the end zone and like it was it, it was probably the most bizarre and uh, just weird play I've ever seen but I, I remember him getting lit up for that afterwards, after that game. I I'll have to look up exactly what game that was but yeah, not not very fond memories.
1: And the funny thing is, that's exactly the same memory I have of him as well. He was a pretty productive quarterback, but I mean, when that's uh, the memory everyone thinks of, man, that that that's rough.
0: Okay, but let me ask you this: Would you rather be a Tony Romo who is remembered for messing up in the playoffs, or would you rather be a Blake Bortles who never even plays in the playoffs?
1: Man, touche! I think I think you got a point on that one. I mean. When is Blake Bortles going to do his thing? Totally off subject, but I mean,
0: no, no, it's I mean it's all relevant. It's in the it's in the scope of like, you know, young quarterbacks, right? Right, right. And that, I mean, that's arguably the biggest question mark the 49ers have right now is who's going to play quarterback long term.
1: I think so so going back to it, right? So you got uh Brian Hoyer, and he's he's going to be a pretty decent decent quarterback going into this year. I don't he's not gonna blow anyone's socks off or anything of that nature. But I mean he's gonna be competent, I'll tell you that much. He's gonna be competent. He's gonna be, be I'll
0: tell you what, he's gonna be better than Blaine Gabbert. Ah, uh, Blaine Gabbert, Colin Kaepernick, uh all of them. Kaepernick, that's a whole nother thing. I I think Kaepernick was a he was a victim of the system. Personally, I, I think okay, so. I'll
1: explain that a little bit.
0: If you ask any competent starting quarterback, right? The one consistent thing they have is the fact that they had the same head coach during their developmental years. Besides two seasons under under Jim Harbaugh, right?
1: Are we talking productive quarterback as in like quarterbacks that started playoff games?
0: Yeah, yeah. So he had, he had he had two productive seasons, right? Okay. Yep. As as uh, under center for the 49ers, but after that, he went through he went through two different head coaches in two seasons. You know who has something to say about that, Mister
1: Alex Smith. Alex Smith had a re- revolving door of offensive
0: coordinators, and that proves my point because how he was ranked as probably in the bottom third of quarterbacks in the league.
1: Are we talking about last year?
0: No, I'm talking about before Jim Harbaugh stepped in the door.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, Jim Harbaugh saved his career,
0: uh, and th- and that's my point is that when you have a consistent coach. Right, that knows what they're doing is in a co- is in a good position as a, as a leader of the team. Mm-hmm. You do well, and and look what happens when he goes when he goes to Kansas City and is, you know, getting coached up by Andy Reid. Sa- same thing. He's he's a he's a he's a coach who's confident in his job and knows that he's not on the hot seat. Right. So that I think that's what lets quarterbacks kind of develop and be able to play well.
1: I mean, so you go back to the Jim Harbaugh days rethinking about it um what would you do do you you stay with Alex Smith or do you still throw Colin Kaepernick in there and take your chances
0: that's an interesting question I I think everyone got fooled by Kaepernick at first granted I I, his skill set right like like I mentioned before if he had a, a consistent coach like if Harbaugh stayed I think Kaepernick would still be a starter for the Niners uh I will say the last year of Jim Harbaugh, Colin Kaepernick didn't play very well. Yeah, but they went eight and eight. If, that, if that's your worst season is eight and eight, you're doing something right. Eight and eight, but Colin Kaepernick didn't play well in that eight and eight season. Yeah, but that's when they kind of figured out Cap a little bit. You know, he let's be honest, he was kind of gimmicky with a read option. Oh yeah, the run first mentality. But that's the thing about not being confident in your job. And I, uh, I I'm going to reference Colin Cowherd here a little bit. I think security it allows you to be more comfortable. and allows you to kind of relish in your own skill set. You know what I mean? I think if Kaepernick wasn't worried about, you know, being traded, right, or being yanked out of the starting role, I think he would have been able to develop a little more. Granted, the big, big question marks that surrounded him were, can he go through his progressions, right? Right. The most he... frustrating thing about him. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree, but... Also, too, you gotta you gotta point the finger to the offensive line. When you have when you have a shaky offensive line that can't protect you, I mean, the the biggest example I can think of is David Carr.
1: Oh man, uh, uh, he just got shook out of his career. He was just thinking he was thinking he was getting hit by ghosts.
0: Yeah, he was seeing ghosts out there, and that and that kind of goes to show like like if you think about Kaepernick's most productive seasons, what did he have in front of him?
1: They had a solid offensive line, Joe Staley, Anthony Davis, Alex Michael Party, Alex Boone. I mean, you think about all those guys together,
0: that's one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. And that's my point is when you have a good offensive line in front, of you allows you to be able to be a passer and to be able to to run the offense, you know, without worrying about getting lit up on your blind side. So I don't I don't think
1: Colin Kaepernick got cut because of this whole kneeling for the national anthem. No, because no, no. he w- he already stated at the beginning of this offseason that he was going to stand next year. He, I think he made his point. Um, I think the the thing that got him cut, basically, was uh, like you said, he can't go through his progressions. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan draws up some pretty elaborate stuff. Um, so, with a guy like Brian Hoyer coming in who could execute it, um, you know, actually sitting in the pocket for seconds at a time instead of just, like, hike take a few steps back, look around, nobody's open, take off. That's all Colin Kaepernick did last year. Granted, who did he have around him? Nobody. Yeah. Um. Nobody. You,
0: you and I could have been out there running routes, and it probably would have been the same result.
1: Oh, yeah, he would have still, Colin Kaepernick would have just took off running every time. So, I mean, granted that, but, I mean, you still got to hang in there. You got to go through your progressions, and at the end of the day, I think Shanahan just thought it wasn't going to be a good fit for them.
0: How, how funny was it, you know, after the Niners hired Chip Kelly. Right. You think, "Man, this is it. This is exactly what cap needs.
1: He's going to be back."
0: But yeah, we we all we all know what happened with that and we all know how they cleaned house, which kind of this goes full circle now. I'm I'm very impressed so far with the new personnel that stepped into the front office.
1: Right. You I mean, you look back to last year, it just felt forced. Trent Bulky and Chip Kelly just together. It just felt they're they're a bunch of football guys. They're too
0: high ego guys too.
1: That's all they kept telling us last year. They're, these guys are football guys. They'll figure it out. They're football guys. Yeah, it also got them in two and fourteen seasons. So, uh, but yeah, back to your point. I think Kyle Shanahan is a offensive mastermind and man the way john lynch see john lynch is a smart guy he surrounded himself with exceptional people uh getting adam peters um from the broncos who's a very like very high thought of around the league like people p- people really like this guy right um they think he's a smart guy he's good at evaluating talent so you grab him and then you get an XGM gm um with the lions with martin mayhew so you got those two guys next to you i mean you
0: he set himself up for success it, it's kind of i know this is obviously reaching across different sports okay but you can say the same thing about steve kerr right when, right. He, got, when he got hired to coach golden state exactly right he hired himself or he hired you know intelligent individuals around him compared to when Mark Jackson was coaching there. He didn't want to hire smart people because he was afraid of his job of them taking his job. So no, I agree with you. I think that hiring competent and intelligent personnel around you, it only makes you better.
1: Right. And if this draft is an indication of anything, like this is, this is going to be great things to come for uh, the 49ers and the 49ers faithful.
0: No, I agree. Which brings us to the schedule moving forward. Um, So the Niners will have mini-camps coming up soon, actually starting on Cinco de Mayo. Oh, Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. They will have rookie mini camp starting. Um, After that, uh, on June 13th through 15th, they will have mandatory mini-camp and then mandatory training camp. And uh, We'll start uh, start in July. Is CJ Peterson going to be on the scene covering these guys? Yes, I will. I will be out on that field uh, covering everything. Um, So keep an eye out. For different news, um, you can follow me on Twitter at SFBaseCJ. And Mr. Tumlin, what is your Twitter handle? Oh, unfortunately, I'm
1: not on Twitter at this moment, but uh, this podcast thing gets rolling. I'm going to have to be on
0: Twitter. This is uh, this is pretty fun, man. You know, we got to send out a special thank you to Samantha Gifford, our executive producer here. She came through, which she really did. Also, we got to give a shout out to uh, Dom Perrion, recording artist based out of Oakland, California for letting us use his uh, originally composed music for our introduction. Um, and then thanks to Bay as well for allowing me to have this uh, access.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, your uh, your insight is going to be um, really good for this podcast going forward. I mean, you're going to have some things that not a lot of people know about or see at practice. And, you know, going forward, um, pretty excited about this thing, man.
0: There will be more to come soon. So stay tuned, and uh, we'll have more The Backyard Blitz for you coming later. Take care.